Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number 25. Today I'm joined with Nathan Gamble of, of AgPro and Tom Dukes of TriGreen Equipment. And today we're going to uh, discuss the cotton market and what that looks like going in to uh, the end of the year and, and how uh, customers have, have reacted to uh, the hurricanes that have come through and what that looks like for the auction market. So uh, Tom and Nathan, thanks for being on my podcast. You bet. Yes, sir. All right. Well, Tom, we'll start with you first. Um, if you wouldn't mind, just give me a little background yourself and, and your and the dealership you work for. Yeah, well, I've worked with John Deere Company for 32 years. The last 12 was a remarketing manager for the southeastern region. Uh, retired in 09 and worked for an auction company for four years and, and then uh, retired again and then tried green equipment, called me in 2014 and asked me to work with them on their used equipment issues and trade evaluations and that sort of thing and been doing that uh, since 2014 with them. And what what geographical area does Tri-Green Equipment cover? Uh, we could we travel from just south of uh, Birmingham, Alabama to north of Nashville, Tennessee and then have one store over in Northeast Mississippi, uh, 19 locations, and uh, hopefully be able to expand and get a few more. Gotcha. Yep, that is the uh, that's the name of the game there. So primarily, what uh, what crops are you covering in your area? Uh, we have corn, soybeans, sunflowers, cotton, few peanuts, uh, cattle, chickens, uh, a little bit of produce. Uh, nurseries, uh, and uh, uh, for the most part, that pretty well covers the extent of it. Gotcha. Okay. So you have a pretty uh, diverse group of folks that you deal with every day, so you have, you're not pretty much pigeonholed into one, to one group, so that's a, that's a, a positive uh, thing for your, for your company. Oh, very positive. Uh, a big chunk of our business is in what we call the, the lifestyle, lifestyle and small farmer uh, segment, uh, we sell more compact and utility tractors uh, probably than most dealer groups around do. Uh, and then we have uh, uh, certain areas that are in the, the big row crop uh, for cotton, beans, and corn, that sort of thing. But uh, uh, smaller tractor under 100 horsepower is a, a big chunk of our market as well. Gotcha. Okay. Well, it sounds like you guys keep yourself pretty busy, and um, it was, it was uh, great to finally put a face there with a name there when uh, I got to meet you there in, in Nashville this year. So I was glad you guys could make it up there for that, and, and great to finally meet you. Enjoy it. You did a good job putting it together, buddy. Thank you. Um, Nathan, so let's jump in with you. So uh, you guys have just grown a lot here of late. seems like every time I read something, you're, you're expanding. So uh, give a little bit of background of view and in and, and agpro yeah so got into business uh about 20 years ago going 21 years now uh hopping around the auction circuit um got into the deer business uh, about 11 years ago um went with green south equipment as a equipment manager uh, back when tom was working the territory and uh once agpro merged with green south acquired green south and i transitioned over into their youth equipment manager role um, we've been very aggressive. Uh, you know, we're 50 or 51 stores now, and 
you know, that number will be moving up shortly. Uh, we cover um, down in the valley in Texas, you know, from Corpus Christi up to San Antonio, uh, Central Florida, through the Panhandle, South Georgia, North Georgia, uh, some in South Carolina, and uh, five or six stores in Alabama as well. So uh, quite a diverse range. Uh, like Tom said, you know, we primary crop, row crop-wise, is, is cotton. Uh, we're just very heavily invested in peanuts as well. We do some corn, this rotation. Uh, a lot of produce down in South Georgia, North Florida area. Uh, and, you know, cotton is king out in Texas as well. So very heavily uh, merged into the cotton market in a lot of our large ag, what we consider our large ag locations. That's good. Well, guys, the reason I wanted to have you guys on the podcast is because I wanted to really sit down and really kind of dissect the cotton market and, and how that looks, and, and I thought I couldn't think of two better guys to do it with than, than, you, than you two, so um, let's just jump right in there. So you've had a lot of, uh, you know, cotton, like everything else, has kind of had its ups and downs and turmoil here over the last couple of years as far as commodity prices go. What are you seeing right now in, in the in the cotton market, and, and, um, and how is that... Uh, how how are your customer base? How are they reacting to that? And uh, Nathan, why don't you go ahead and start off with that? Yeah, so I mean, prices obviously aren't where the producers would like them to be. Um, you know, it's we're around sixty-seven cents is what it was this morning. Uh, futures didn't look that much better, uh, but we again we're we're the row crop guys in the territories. We do a lot of row crop farming are heavily invested into the cotton market. You know, we have our infrastructure here set up for cotton. Uh, all of our planning and tillage tools are set up for spacing and, and row widths that go along with cotton pro products. So, you know, very heavily invested in the cotton market. Um, again, you know, we're definitely not seeing the prices that we would like to see uh, or maybe that are even sustainable long term uh, considering the input cost and the equipment cost with goes along with harvesting cotton. But uh, we've had a phenomenal year as far as selling the product goes from the iron standpoint of it. And uh, certainly hope that continues over the next few years. And if we can get a little bump in the prices, it'll definitely help. So, Tom, in your immediate area, how, how's the, how's the, the uh, you've had, what, two hurricanes come through there, Harvey, and, and Nate kind of would have affected your direct area and Maybe a little bit of Irma. Is that is that about right? Yes, uh, both hurricanes that came through uh, had effects on different segments of our area. Harvey affected uh, the western part of uh, Alabama and uh, our central part of Tennessee area, and then Irma when it came through, it caught uh, the middle and in southern part of uh, part of Alabama and up into Middle Tennessee, uh, it did not affect us probably as bad as down along the Gulf Coast uh, and possibly even some of South Georgia and Nathan's area. But we got some twisting of, of uh, the stalks. Uh, in some cases, uh, heavy rain caused the bowls that were starting to open to kind of lock, and they haven't fully opened. So it's going to be a, a lot more difficult to pick this year. Uh, but we didn't have the big wind as they did over in the Texas area. And in parts of Texas, when Harvey came through, 
I mean, it literally just blew cotton right off the stalk. It had not been picked and scattered it everywhere. And uh, open rectangular-shaped modules over there was hit by high wind, and they just blew those modules apart. That's one of the advantages of the round bell module picker. Those uh, uh, modules that were on the ground uh, were not really affected much by that wind, and, and they wound up being in pretty good shape. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, we, we're just getting started picking right now in most of our area. Uh, ground travel speeds are a little bit slow because of the twisting of uh, some of the crop and so forth, but I think it's going to wind up being a, it's not going to be a record yield crop as a result, but I think it's going to be a fairly decent crop for most of our guys. Uh, we're now into middle of picking, and it is also ordering new pickers for next year time. So uh, right now, our guys are out calling on customers and, and uh, trying to see what uh, farmers are going to be looking at updating or trading machines for next year. And then, of course, Deere has come out with a program that has kind of got a limited production schedule for new pickers next year, and, and dealer, the dealers are given an allocation of how many pickers they can get. And uh, that, that's going to affect the, probably the overall business in the cotton industry for next year. Uh, we'd like to be able to get our hands on a few more because uh, I think we're going to wind up having a fair number of customers that are going to want to look and trade for new machines for next year. So, Nathan, if you've got some extra ones y'all don't need, we'd be glad to help you out. <laughs> I assure you there'll be no echo. Uh, I'm sure of that, but uh, if you want to talk a minute about the used market, uh, I was looking a little early today. If you look at the whole cotton region across the country, there's only about 180 used pickers on the market for sale, both uh, red and green. Oh, wow. uh, and most, most of those are older machines. Uh, there's only very few CPX 690s and not a whole lot of uh, 7760s, which are our roller uh, module machines. And uh, so that not having a big glut is going to help all of us in the cotton industry, I think, be able to trade uh, and absorb some additional used machines and turn around and resale. Uh, there's still some... With the price of the commodities, that 67, 68 cent uh, range, it uh, would certainly love to see it go a good bit higher. But uh, when you compare uh, growing cotton to uh, where the corn market is, uh, I think we're still going to possibly see some increase in cotton acreage going into the 2018 market. Uh, and from reading some uh, material online, it looks like uh, even folks out in Nebraska may be looking at, to expand and, and try to get into cotton out in that area. And that may be one of the reasons why there's a limited number of new pickers going to be available for next year. When I was. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll echo what Tom said about, you know, the very robust use quit market right now for pickers, and it's been a We've had a glut for the past three or four years, so that's been a very welcome sign across the entire cotton country. Awesome. That's a that's kind of that's really a good problem to have. I mean, it's it's a 
kind of a, a damned if you do, damned if you don't scenario. It's, it's You hate not to have the inventory to sell, but at the same time, it kind of drives that premium when you start looking at, at your used values and, and what you're able to trade guys for and, and you know, moving that piece right down the next to the next customer is it sure makes the, the selling of new a lot easier. It does. <clears throat> so, Nathan, when you give a little background here on on the support equipment that goes along with, with the cotton harvest. I mean, I know there's a lot of, a lot of, uh, higher horsepower, row crop tractors, eight R's, those kind of things that are in the mix. So kind of give a rundown of, of what that, what that spectrum looks like. So I guess it'll start with the planning process. So, you know, cotton picker is, uh, pretty, it's limited to six rows. So the widest cotton picker that John Deere makes cars row with the six rows. And therefore, you know, most of our planning equipment, uh, throughout the southeast if you're in cotton country is going to be a six row and or a 12 row typically as big as we run uh you know naturally our fields are not near as wide and open uh as the fields are out west uh we do have some open fields in texas but even in texas you know 12 row seems to be as big as we run just so we can keep on the row pattern accurate uh and then of course you know, from from the harvest, the machines, uh, you know, used to with the old basket pickers, you had to have module builders and packers, and, you know, that required two or three extra tractors, two or three extra laborers, and um, a, lot of mo- a lot of moving pieces in that process, and so the round module picker has been a, a savior for that as far as efficiency uh, and reducing input costs from the labor standpoint and the number of machines that you're actually running in the field. Uh, and then our gins, you know, we have a gin, you know, down in South Georgia, we have a gin in almost every other county. Uh, it's, uh, so that's where the farmers take their cotton to get ginned and, and to market. And uh, so it's, uh, that whole process has really seen a tremendous change over the past five, six, seven years with the introduction of the round bell picker. Um, you know, I'd say down here, we're probably 80% round bell. Uh, we've probably, there are some farmers still running some uh, old traditional style pickers basket pickers we call them and uh but it's really revolutionized the cotton industry down here and it's taken where you had uh, a farmer that if he was doing 2,000 acres he may have had two or three basket pickers and you know maybe six to eight extra support tractors and pieces of equipment and now he can do all that with uh one cotton picker so naturally it's a very expensive piece of equipment but it really saves these guys time and uh, super efficient so really helped revolutionize the cotton industry um and i know tom was kind of on the front side of that when that machine was coming into the market and uh he's definitely seen that firsthand as well yeah so so tom when you take a look at like he was talking about there with that older stuff how has that affected the old uh basket pickers and and modern builders how's that marketplace holding up and is that starting to become a a tougher machine to trade for and have a have a secondary home for well, it's getting to be tougher to try and trade for the older basket pickers because most anybody that's looking to update is, is looking to go to a module-style uh, machine. Uh, one of the things that we used to try to do was to export a lot of the, the older machines to, to some of the world market. But now a lot of those countries, such as Greece and Turkey and uh, Kazakhstan and those countries that used to be buyers for that, their governments have upgraded uh, their import regulations to meet 
emission standards, and a lot of these older machines don't meet the emission standards as the newer machines, and, and so uh, they don't come over looking to, to buy used machines all that much. There have been some, uh, and I think Nathan has done some of this, and been able to move some uh, used pickers over to Australia and over into China. China has bought some of the basket type pickers, uh, 99, 96s, and, and so forth over the last few years. But it's, uh, but when you get back to the, the older four rows, 99, 65s, and 70s, and older machines, it's getting tough to move those. Uh, some of them that are being bought are being stripped down into parts and components, containerized and shipped overseas or, uh, or into Mexico down in towards Central America area. Uh, but it's getting, it's getting tougher to move some of those old machines. I know from a Codrine standpoint, unless we can get some of these older machines pre-sold somewhere, we really don't want to have to try to trade for them because it's just hard inventory to move. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's such a key component of, of the used equipment marketplace is knowing what you're going to do with the trades you have coming in. And if you kind of start out already knowing that you're going to have some problems, then it's it makes it a little, little e I guess, easier to know what you're going to do with your next move. So, well, Nathan, let's let's jump into that export market a little bit and take take a listen to that. So, you know, I know China's been in the uh, the news, especially the last couple of years when it comes to cotton because of the amount of cotton they've had stored up in in various you know uh storage facilities they have in country there and and um their ability to produce high quality cotton is is not necessarily been um as good as it is in the united states anyway so talk a little bit about the export market what that looks like and 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 what kind of success you're having with uh with machinery overseas sure so we talk about round bill pickers 7760 are our export market's been into Australia, it's been into some South American countries, Brazil specifically. Um, we have done a very few number of machines into China. Um, the China business for us has been predominantly basket pickers, uh, 9986s, 9976s, 9996s. We do a lot of business into Egypt, uh, Turkey, Greece area with basket pickers. Um, again, I'll echo some of what Tom said there. A lot of those countries that have uh, import-export regulations on year model of machines, and obviously as we get further away from the production of, you know, it's either five or seven years, depending on what country you're talking about. And so naturally we're almost out of that time frame when you talk about basket, you know, traditional basket-style pickers. So we haven't in recent years, that business hasn't been as robust as some of those countries that have those limitations on them. Uh, but, you know, the thing that's really helped us in our market over the past four years has been uh, Australia and, and South America. Uh, they've really helped us unload some round bill pickers. And, uh, you know, I think Deer's, uh, Deer does have active presence in those countries. And I think they're, you know, they're kind of wise to that too. And they're, they're fighting to, make sure they sell new machines, which I think is part of the reason that we're going on allocation in the States this year. Uh, I think the cotton market everywhere is going to be a little more robust next year, and Deere's planning for that and certainly allocating production uh, in ahead of that. Okay. So that's a good segue into the, my next question is, so 
when you're looking to going through the end of the year, what do you see happening um, in the marketplace? And as far as as cotton prices go, like you talked about earlier, Nathan, that that uh, the futures weren't really much better than what the uh, on the board price today was. Um, so, kind of taking a look at the end of the year, going into the first of the year, what do you see? Do uh, you have any sense of what what drivers might be out there that to uh, drive prices in any given direction over the next you know six to twelve months? I do not. You know, we we, we had a fantastic crop in Texas. Uh, we were lucky where we had where our stores are at in Texas that most of the crop had already been harvested and uh, was at the gin or had been gin by the time the major hurricane blew, blew through there. Uh, in South Georgia, we were not as lucky. We, uh, like Tom said, we had a lot of twisted vines, a lot of down cotton in the field, um, and we are not seeing new yields that we would hope for. Um, we're averaging you know, somewhere 700 pounds an acre. Uh, we would like to have seen 11, 1200 pounds an acre. Out in Texas, they were making upwards of 2,000 pounds an acre in some really good fields. Uh, so I guess it depends on, you know, I don't know that the South Georgia crop is going to be enough to move the mark any, uh, just for the sheer fact that Texas and, you know, all of Texas, from what I understand, had a near bumper crop. I know our guys certainly did. Uh, so hopefully, hopefully Tom and his guys and some other dealership groups up uh, in Alabama and Tennessee area where still a lot of cotton can see some better yields than we're having here in South Georgia. And uh, But I don't think that's going to be enough to move the, the needle uh, on the pricing. Um, and obviously if deer is gearing up for a big production year next year, then we know there's going to be a lot of cotton planted next year. So I don't know that the, the needle is going to move a lot, you know, it did spike somewhere around 75 cents uh, a few months ago. Uh, maybe we can get back to that point sometime next year. Uh, I think 80 cents is 80, 85 cents is kind of a magic number for a lot of our growers, but uh, I don't see it drastically changing over the next 12 months, Casey. Gotcha. Tom, you got anything that you want to add to that? Well, I think Nathan's pretty well right on the mark. I don't really foresee cotton pricing taking a big jump this year. Uh, Inventory stocks worldwide uh, have not really come down that much, although uh, cotton going into clothing is is in good demand. Uh, exports are still, for cotton, still going to uh, China and uh, other uh, Indonesian-type countries where most of these cotton mills are for making the clothes, which is then turned around and sent back to U.S. for uh, retail and all the clothing outlets, but uh, with what the stocks are and, and forecasted yields are, I, I don't really foresee a big jump in, in cotton pricing. Uh, so if it stays in that below 70 cent range, uh, I, I think folks will continue growing cotton. There may be some increase in production in some areas, a little more corn coming out in the southern area and a little more cotton coming in. And there'll probably be some additional peanuts get planted. Uh, we've had some of that this year. Folks planted peanuts first time they've ever done that. So, uh, But all in all, I think the uh, the cotton business is, is going to stay fairly stable uh, for most of our cotton-growing regions for another year. Okay. So looking out at, at the rest of your, uh, rest of your marketplace, um, 
is the demand is you still have the same strong demand for used pickers that you've had maybe coming up into this into this harvest season? I think there'll still be a, a fairly decent demand for uh, two, three-year-old uh, roller pickers. Uh, and, and what will drive that is some of the guys that's got uh, five, six, seven-year-old roller pickers won't upgrade uh, something with fewer hours on it. Uh, still be, there are still some customers out there that are running the older basket pickers that want to upgrade to a uh, a newer roller picker, but may not make that step to go all the way to a brand new machine. With limited production on uh, new machines, we've got to be kind of uh, careful as to who we target trading and what we want to take in on trade on a new machine so that we can take those uh, two or three year old roller pickers and be able to move back, them back down to some of the smaller. Uh, guys that don't have as big an acreage uh, want to update them. But then, again, if they've got basket pickers, we've got to be careful about how much we put into the basket picker because that is a declining market on that. So. How is Nathan or, or Tommy, one of you, and it's always a curious question I have when it comes to to the to this market right now. When you take a look, is, is leasing a big deal when it, in the cotton picking business, or is that... That's still mostly a traditional buying situation, and they're and they're maybe leasing uh, support equipment. Well, in our area, uh, leasing has been strong on tractors and combines. Uh, right off the top of my head, I'm not sure of any of my customers that have leased a picker. Uh, and I don't think Deer really uh, emphasizes trying to lease pickers. Uh, but as uh, farmers are looking at trying to conserve cash flow and do a better job of managing that, that may become an option that they might want to consider. Okay. Yeah, I know for us, Casey, the residuals just haven't made sense uh, with the John Deere lease and haven't really seen any aftermarket, uh, you know, secondary financial companies that have had lease lease residuals that would be appealing for our guys. Uh, they're certainly working with our customers on the most part. You know, we talk about a new cotton picker which now around 750000 It's uh, you know, a pretty big gulf to swallow. But they've definitely been working with our guys, you know, doing some 84, 96-month financing. And uh, so, you know, Deer's been, been willing to work with those guys uh, to where we haven't had to really get into a lease uh, situation and you know, I don't know that Deer's interested in doing that to be honest with you and I don't think we need to get our customers into that rotation either to be honest with you. Yeah I wouldn't want to be involved in leasing cotton pickers that's a very niche market and pretty small resale group so um, you bet so how how is uh, how's corn crop how's the uh, corn harvest coming along and, and how how is that affecting your guys' business well, most of the corn is, we're through with corn. Okay. Uh, we're getting into soybeans, and where we've got peanuts, we're getting started into peanuts, uh, as well as getting into the cotton. But uh, the corn crop through most of the area was very good corn crop, good yields. Uh, did not have, most of it was already cut before the hurricane came through. Uh, 
It's just now a matter of uh, sitting on it and trying to determine when they're going to market it if they didn't already have it booked ahead of time. Okay. Yeah, we're a little ahead of Tom. Uh, most of our peanuts have already been harvested out of the ground. Uh, you know, I'd say we're 40, if not 50% way through our cotton crop. Uh, so we're, you know, corn's been in the rearview mirror for a little while and, you know, gearing up for soybeans. So, uh, soybeans will always be last down here. So we'll get the cotton out and we'll move on to soybeans. But, you know, the, co- the corn crop itself down here was good. Uh, we don't, we don't, we can't manage the kind of yield that some of you guys manage out west and a little further north of us. But, uh, I think for most of our field, our guys are pretty happy. Uh, and we had good peanut yield as well. So. Good. Well, that's good. So, one last question. We'll we'll wrap it up here for both of you. So, looking out going into 2018, what do you see as some of your positives and some of your negatives? Well, positives is uh, there is has been good demand for big tractors. Uh, there's still a good bit of interest in, in folks replacing some older units. Is uh, a lot of our R series tractors are getting on out there with three, four, five thousand hours on them, they're ready to start rolling them, so uh, there's activity on, on, on tractors. Uh, we got pretty good activity on uh, folks wanting to trade for new combines and new pickers. Uh, and in the peanut area, we got folks that's looking for some new peanut equipment for next year. So I look for some very positive things to happen. Uh, we just don't need uh the onslaught of more and more hurricanes coming through next year and uh our moisture for the most part has been fairly decent all year so the growing season has been good and the forecast for rain for next year seems to be pretty good so uh i look forward to a pretty decent 2018. yeah we uh bright spots and obviously the just the fact that the cotton market has come back as far as the use equipment and it's really thinned out across the country like Tom mentioned earlier and it's uh, that's going to be a positive I think for everyone involved in that business and uh, you know with deer being on allocation next year in the states it's going to inventory is going to remain tight so that'll be a real positive for all the dealers involved in the cotton trade uh, from an equipment standpoint Um, you know we've got a uh, Tom mentioned earlier about their turf business, and that's a, been a huge bright spot for us. We, uh, you know, I'd say a good 65 to 70% of our stores are in turf heavy locations, and that's been a fantastic thing for us over the past several years and uh, really helped bring some stores along through the, through the tough ag years. And, uh, you know, as far as negatives, I, I think two main things commodity prices, which, you know, a lot of that's out of our control, but uh, I think farmers are starting to sort of learn to live with it and work around it. Uh, the other big negative in my mind is equipment pricing. Uh, new pricing is just, you know, it, it seems like it's done tethered, move upwards, and I don't know where the top of that is. Uh, but I know we're driving some second and third tier customers out of the market uh, because of the pricing of new tractors uh, and just not being able to trade for those back into the market properly. So uh, I don't know what the answer there is. And I think maybe both, you know, once you see a, click in commodity prices that some of that pricing issues, some of those pricing issues go away naturally. But uh, So those things may be tied to the hip a little bit more. But 
as far as negatives, I mean, I think those are the only two negatives. I think it's going to shape up to be a, a pretty fantastic 2018 altogether. Now, I would echo a lot of that stuff uh, that you guys talk about. You know, when I look at the end of the year for us, I feel like November, December, we're going to have some pretty good opportunities um, to, to really move some used equipment and um, look at some of that uh, that new stuff we have laying around um, that we can get pushed out here towards the end of the year. I feel like uh, going into 2018, like you said, I think there's going to be a, uh, some pretty good opportunities when we start looking at, for us anyway, uh, tractors and four-wheel drives. Um, I feel like the combine market's going to be there for us a little bit. Um, I feel like there's going to be a demand for some new stuff there just because the guys are going to be in a situation where they're, they've had their machine long enough now that they're going to be looking at some some uh, higher than normal um, reconditioning costs than they're probably used to. So they're going to start maybe looking at, is it time for me to trade my stuff off and, and avoid you know the reconditioning stuff? But on the backside, too, the commodity price thing and, and on-farm income is going to be a struggle, You know, I think, going through the next couple of years and, and it's going to be continue to be a uh, uh you're gonna to have to be creative moving forward to keep things keep things rolling so um well guys i uh i think we've got a pretty good feel for what's happening in the cop market what you guys are seeing in your neck of the woods so i i really appreciate you guys being on the podcast yes sir well, appreciate the opportunity being with you. all right well that's going to do it for this edition of the moving iron podcast i'd like to thank tom dukes and nathan game for being on this episode Remember, if you want to continue any of these conversations, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or you can see me in email at movingironpodcast at movingironpodcast.com. Uh, this podcast can be found on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour, out.